0: What, in addition to the right equipment, does it take for the job of film editing? Welcome to The Cutting Room, the official podcast of filmmakeryou.com. I'm Gordon Burkell, and every week we bring you an interview with a film professional to explore the craft of filmmaking. And of course, this week is no different. I'm going to be interviewing Michael Dallatore, who was chosen as one of American Society of Cinematographers' rising stars in 2020, and recently worked on Amazon Studios' Emergency, a comedy thriller that explores the racial tensions of modern America. It's a fantastic film, and I highly recommend you check it out. Now, if you like these interviews, you're definitely going to like the courses at filmmakery.com. In those courses, we bring in the top in the industry to talk about their craft and their secrets. And these industry experts include Eric Whipp, colors for Mad Max, three-time Oscar-winning BFX supervisor Rob Legato, and of course, award-winning producer and documentary editor Sam Pollard, and that's just to name a few. You can use the code THECUTTINGROOM, all one word, THECUTTINGROOM, to get 10% off when you buy a course at FilmmakerU.com. Now, with all that said, let's hear what Michael has to say about shooting emergency. I have to ask you about Studio 666. <laughs> um, <laughs> sure. I, guess, I guess my first question is, it seems like they don't make these types of films anymore. So if you think about like rock and roll high school, you think about um, Into the Never by Metallica. Like mm-hmm. they don't make rock band movies. So how did this get made? If, if like studios aren't pushing for that?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it got made because uh, Dave Grohl is, you know, he's his own, he's his own powerhouse. He makes his, he makes, you know, he gets this idea and he goes for it and he goes 100%. Um, And so he's got uh, producers that have worked with him on the documentaries and everything. And so the band funded it themselves, um, which actually made it kind of interesting because we didn't have like a studio or like, you know, like a production company that was like what you would normally go through. And so there were a lot of times where we were like on a normal production, we would say, okay, we want to do this thing. And then we have to like work it up the chain um, this was just kind of like, all right, well, we're going to cut someone's head off with a symbol or whatever. And they're like, okay. You know, so it was it was actually pretty freeing um, to do that. Um, but, you know, um, it, it all goes down to to Dave and the band being like just, you know, down to like do it and, and, and have faith in that we were going to help them put, it, put something really cool together.
0: Now, there was a lot of special effects, but were there a lot of, It felt more like I don't want to say a grindhouse, but Mm -hmm. like was there a lot of practical effects on set, and how did you work with that?
1: Yeah, it was mostly practical effects. Um, BJ McDonald, our director, um, is a big fan of like kind of you know the vintage horror stuff, and 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 being doing practicals as much as we can, and uh, also like Dave Grohl also just very much liked all that kind of stuff. We had Tony Gardner, who was our um you know, prosthetics and, 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 special effects, like, um, person that, that, just made amazing, um, prosthetics and things like that. Um, and, um, we, we thought it just would be a lot funner. It's also a lot, it, it's also technically easier and, and it, and it, and it plays back to like the look of those kind of films, you know, and the feel of those films where it just kind of we knew what we were making. It was something that was going to be fun and not, we weren't, you know, like, like campy and, 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 and had interesting moments. And, and th- that really sold that to us. Um, you know, there are some visual effects when stuff happens, um, to, to like paint people out. Like when, um, you know, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> when, um, Will Forte, uh, gets his head chopped off, there's like four people surrounding him. Yeah, or surrounding that 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 animatronic, it, it it's working all the different things. So they were painted out in the in the thing as long as they weren't within the area. Um, so there was a little bit of there was there was the effects that needed to be done, additional smoke on 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 the old band that was haunting the house and things like that. But you know, the practical stuff was really pretty awesome and, and it looked great just just, just on its own. Now apparently,
0: Dave Grohl came up with this idea when he they were recording at the at a house that was haunted. Did you guys shoot in the same house, or was it a set that you guys built? Yeah,
1: no, actually, I met BJ um, at that house. Like we, like he, like when my agent set up the meeting, I went to go meet him, and they were the band was still there, and they were just wrapping up the album. So they they did their album there
0: mm-hmm. at
1: that house, and. Um, and uh, as we were walking around and he was like, this is where this is going to happen and this is where this is going to happen. Um, it was kind of cool. Like they, they were starting to move their stuff out and we, and the next week we were going to move our stuff in. Um, so, you know, it's just kind of those things that like Dave comes up with something and he just, you know, it gets going. Um, and yeah, it was that actual house that we, that they recorded their album. And so it was, it was a little meta, I guess. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, did you, did you experience any, uh, any hauntings while you were there?
1: No, not really. Um, I don't think so. I mean, it definitely was an older home and it had some creepy feels to it. Um, I think it's actually since been demolished and like being, you know, there's a new house being built on it. Um, but no, it was, um I never found anything there in Brightburn house. There was some stuff, mm-hmm. but, um, cause so that house was from, um, pre-Civil War. Oh, wow. Um, there's like a cemetery off to the side and stuff like that. But um, they were always like, Don't go to the basement. And we're like, Okay. <laughs> Not going don't, to the basement.
0: Don't have to tell me. I yeah, I had a friend who had like a 180-year-old farm. And it was just the basement was the creepiest place you could go. Like the walls were yeah. dirt because they just dug down. It was just, right. I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Don't have to go get it. He's like, Do you want to go get a beer from the basement? I'm good. Now <laughs> <Huh. laughs> <laughs> yeah, you also did uh uh, Podix, I think it's called, with yeah. uh, Dave Grohl. Is that how they got you involved with Studio 666?
1: Well, no, it's it's funny because we started Studio 666 in 2020, uh, early 2020, and then on like day, tw- on like the 20th day of our shoot of like a 28-day schedule, you know, the pandemic hit, and we got shut down along with the rest of Hollywood. Um, and, uh, and then uh, ended up, Dave again had this idea of like doing the X commercial and and the producers from Studio Six 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 were like, hey, Dave wants to do this thing, you're available, you know, tomorrow? I was like, sure. And we ended up just like, you know, doing it two days later, talking about it and then shooting it two days later. And, and that came out before 666 just because of, um, they wanted to do it theatrical. So they were trying to push yeah push that as far as far along as it could so they could try to get people into you know into theaters to actually see it and i and i guess all the effects
0: and topics were practical like when he eats the sandwich and- <laughs> oh yeah
1: yeah that was so. he, he spit out a few he almost snorted some you know some yeah. real coffee, which is kind of funny yeah he's he's a true he he, it's very interesting that he's just kind of like oh wait we should do this let's do this and you know it was just kind of a, it was good times.
0: Now I want to jump to emergency, which you you've done, and how did you get involved with this film and and what was your sort of process on getting on the same page as the director in terms of the look?
1: Sure. Well, um, I actually have known Carrie Williams for since like 2003, I want to say. Um, so we've been we've been shooting music videos together. We've done I don't know how many. Um dozens of music videos. Are, it's probably in like 60 or 70 music videos together and um, short films and things like that. So we have a, a really good rapport, become very good friends along the way. Um, and um, so it was kind of already, uh, there's already kind of this 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 connection. We had both uh, our, our visual storytelling and understanding of like um, our styles and stuff. Um, and so they ended up, it was, what it was, was a project through project, a thing called Project Involved, um, through Film Independent. And they shot, sh- they shoot short films with mm-hmm. groups of filmmakers that they put together. Um, he used a cinematographer from the group and, you know, he needed a, he needed a crew. So I came in and gaffed for them. So I actually gaffed the short.
0: Yeah, I uh, saw that in when I was doing the research for this and I was like, how did that jump me?
1: <laughs> yeah. I was ask it. So, you know, if 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 I was in the you know, if I would have been in the thing, then I probably would have shot it, or if he wouldn't have had to have the mandate that he had to use cinematographer. Mm-hmm. But it was cool. It was actually kind of fun to gaff something, because I hadn't gaffed something in a while. And it was really nice to like not be like 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 to be able to separate yourself from from all the all the problem solving that happens <laughs> as a cinematographer uh and then you know what ended up happening is the pandemic and then um the dp jomo who you know basically he 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 was it was kind of like a sad thing that he was going to shoot shoot the feature mm-hmm. um became uh, unavailable because he just all his projects kind of pushed pushed around so much and, and everything got messed up and so then um it turned out he couldn't do it and so the position came available i interviewed with temple hill on amazon and you know and they got me on board and it was great and so working with carrie i i I already kind of know a lot of what he wants to do um and so uh you know we just jumped in we we Mm -hmm. we do what we normally do is just kind of just throw out ideas show pictures find images from films and just build everything um emotionally like i like to build um an emotional beat list throughout the film to kind of like really know like what each scene is about so that visually I can help guide that. And then that that then goes into like us just kind of honing in the look. Once we landed in Atlanta, as where we shot in Atlanta, um we were able to like go to the locations and, and do like almost like photo boarding and everything like that too. Cause Carrie's Carrie's very visual. He's very much a lensing director. Like he loves to say like, I want to start here and then move around and we're going to focus on that. And I would help them, you know, maybe um, figure that out or like make that a better shot or like, like, you know what? Oh, That's I like this is what we're trying to do, but we can do this a little better by doing it over their head or doing something like that. Um, and really, that actually started once we started seeing that. Once we started seeing the actors come in and meet, and, and 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 all that started to come together, the film really starts to like it starts to like breathe a lot more and like learn. You can still really learn what it what it becomes until by the first day you have a pretty good understanding. And then it typically takes a couple of days to like really be like, all right, cool. Like once you start seeing dailies and things like that, you really start you know uh, uh, understanding what the film cuz the film i feel like sometimes you you know the film's become something um especially like when once you get actors in there you know you had this idea of like what you wanted to do mm-hmm. and then they do something different you're like that's pretty great all right i need <laughs> now now i need to do something to to also elevate this or express what they're doing better than what I had thought, because this just, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's the whole, like, I don't know if you, you, you musician or, but like, if you, you play with other musicians or even like sports, like when you play with someone who's better than you, like it, it makes you better. Mm-hmm. Um, the very similar thing where it's like, it's like once you want to elevate that, that sense. So, and Carrie very much wanted a lot of that, um, and which made it, which made it challenging. And I, and I love, you know, that's what that's what makes it you know so much fun um, and, and interesting you know
0: Well this breathing like that sort of allowing it to change and evolve. do you find that stressful at all because like, I feel like for at least for my personality, I'd want to be able to be like, okay, I know everything's gonna work out and you line up everything <laughs> and it's gonna work perfectly. And I feel like if I went in and someone was like, okay, we're just gonna flip the table over and start you know, like from scratch here yeah so how do you i guess how do you prepare yourself for something like
1: that? i mean, I think um a program that I was in high school actually we had our, one of our mentors there um in the theater program used to say you need to learn learn to function in disaster and finish in style mm-hmm. and that's something that's always stuck with me in that like nothing ever goes the way I want it, but I'm gonna make it as good as I can, even though that happens so i'm kind of just i guess I'm just kind of used to um having to deal with things not working i though love to plan very heavily like i have shot lists i have overheads i have um you know any kind of if we have storyboards i I have like all this like stuff mostly because um i can i can I can i can either modify or deviate from those once i have a plan but also like when you're in a production that's like this 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 scale or even, you know, or even smaller is worse because basically like, oh, I need a Technocrane today. Well, that's a lot of money. And if I don't make sure it, oh, if I forgot to tell them it's today and we don't have a Technocrane, now I can't do the things that we tried to do. Um, so it's just, it's just very much having that plan and then also having that structure. So, you know, like, you know, these, this scene, it, it, what does this scene entail? And then now you know, like I said, like oh now the actor comes in to does something different. You have an i you have that core idea, and you can kind of uh, just realign it to what's happening, or or, or, or bring it together so that it, it really works, as opposed to like just wing. Like I don't like winging it. I mean, I'll do that occasionally on on something, but but not as not as like especially when I work with people like like you know Carrie. Or Dave Arveski, they have a certain vision. And it, unless that is part of their vision, I don't like to, 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 to do something different from that.
0: Now, yeah. you, you referred to them as a surprise. So, like, was there what was the surprise that happened in emergency that you're like, you were able to adjust with and you're really proud with the changes that, that came out? Is there a particular scene or moment?
1: I think the biggest surprise, which, you know, shouldn't be a surprise for me, was how good the actors were. And their chemistry, they were so good that like, I knew what I wanted to do going in. But then because they were so good, they made me want to like, do an additional thing where like, normally, like you're doing a landing setup or something, you're like, Oh, this is what we're going to do. And then we're going to hear cool. Okay, that's great. And you would kind of go on from there and you'd say, All right, let's shoot. Uh, it would stop me. And I would say like, No, no, they're giving more. So what else can I do more? to then to then add to this you know um and they did that constantly so it was it was a constant like oh man like step it up a little more like which which is which is great because you know it takes you like as an you know as an artist you're like you mean once you start doing things out of your comfort zone then you did you, you find things that that actually end up working better than others or or, or doing things that just you know um or taking risk on some stuff that, like, you didn't think would work, but then ended up working. Um, a lot of the stuff in the van. I was very like that was all done on an LED stage, which was I say stage. It was basically it was just two wall, two twenty by twelve foot walls of LEDs, and it was uh, actually very difficult to shoot with them at first. Found ways of making it making it work so that I think it sells pretty well on the um in the film that you know we're not on, on the actual street when, when they're in interiors.
0: So the led walls are so new, this virtual production stuff. So what were the challenges that you're, you said it was pretty difficult, but like, what did you learn from that, that others can, can learn from?
1: A big thing I learned is like the wall was too small. And so we had a, we had a van, right. And the van windows are actually much bigger than normal car windows. So like you're looking at a window that's, you know, a third bigger than other windows plus you have all these giant windows right so what was happening is we were running out of set behind them (laughs) right so it's like okay well that's where the wall ends and if you brought it closer then you you started to actually see the fakeness of the leds you started Mm -hmm. to see the pixelation of them right so sometimes we had to do that sometimes we were able to push it back to far enough within the shot so that it, it kind of blended and it felt real yeah and what one thing i did to kind of help break that up was um we sprayed the windows with mists before we rolled on every shot and and that added an additional additional layer of um diffraction yeah just like an additional third dimension for us to break up between them and the actors there's also the fact that like sometimes you know it just it's you know it's a video you're, you're basically shooting a video screen so, like, if it's too bright or if there's a hot spot, it looks fake, you know. So there was a lot of, like, learning to dim. had to work with their engineer who was showing us, uh, basically doing the playback to, like, adjust lighting and things like that. And then I would have to adjust our lighting within the car um, to, to, to play with it. Um, there was, uh, so, yeah, in hindsight, I would want a bigger screen so that I could be further away. And then also I'm trying to think what else was a, a big and, and then also I would I would shoot the plates a little differently. We shot the plates, um, and I wasn't able to supervise the plates. So they just came in a little hot on some stuff. Um, so I would probably just go out and do a different pass on them or something like that. Um, um there was there were only about two shots where we we look out the front of the van, yeah, where the windshield was just too big, so we had to bring the, the screen so close, and it, it looks fake. So those are two shots that actually are VFX. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, everything else um, seemed to work just because we were able to find the right distance. Um, the, the lenses helped us help the fall off look good, and then the mist added that extra feel of like, oh, okay, there's there's some sort of atmosphere outside and things like that. With technology,
0: you know, it advances so quickly that the prices come down. Do you think eventually LED walls will completely replace green screen? Or do you think there will always be a, a low budget place for green screen? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's there's a certain thing you can get from green screens. I, I haven't tried to do, like the night reel is really easy. Like I felt like if I had to do the daytime um, and make it feel real, I've, I've had more success making daytime look real with green screens mm-hmm. or blue screens than I have, you know, I haven't done a a daytime led. Um, I'm sure if I walked into like, you know, one of the places that has the best setup, it would yeah. look great, but it's pretty good. But when we're talking about like budgetary constrictions, uh, restrictions and everything, we are just kind of like, I can't afford that place. I think it has its, I think it has its times it's really nice like for us because it's also like it's in the can you know yeah and and there's like no like we're waiting for vfx and you're just like (laughs) you know (laughs) so there's that about it right and i can use the vfx money on something else where um you know uh, like for instance when when they're in the forest like when we had our first our first um vfx meeting in pre-production i was adamant i was like I need I need, I don't know how many shots we need to figure this out, if it's a hundred, if it's two hundred. But every time you see the van, you're gonna see my lights because it's a giant bubble with all glass. And you know, and I had balloons and things like that. And and there were a decent amount of shots that we basically just would just paint out in the glass yeah. uh, the balloon, or maybe you saw the chimera or something like that in one of the things um or like uh, a couple times uh you saw the condor holding one of the big lights you, you kind of see it things like that so you know it, it's that trading that trading off of like all right you know i don't need the effects money here but i need the effects money over here yeah and and, and that were that's the beauty of it too it's like everything's there it's great and the actors really liked it too because they could actually kind of look around and it looked like yeah. you know they could kind of see, and sometimes they were joking around. And the guys like pull over, and he's like, "I can't. The screen won't. Stop. <laughs> the screen isn't stopping. Pull over the screen." Yeah, they're just kind of joking around. Um,
0: and they probably prefer it over tennis balls being like, "Look here." <laughs> oh yeah,
1: you know, and in green screen, yeah, it's like it's like, oh yeah, pretend something's there, you know, or like you just drove by the house, like you can't, you know. Yeah, blends it a lot easier for them, I think.
0: Now I have one last question for you. We've been stuck uh-huh. in this pandemic for two plus years, depending on where you are in the world, you're stuck inside. So is there a show or a movie you've discovered on streaming networks that people should check out?
1: Um Yeah, I actually just started watching um, the offer on oh, okay. uh, Paramount plus, which is pretty, which is pretty funny because I started, I started watching it and I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. That kind of happened to us, you know, like, like the, the experience of the filmmakers making um the godfather i'm sure it's it's I'm sure as there's do they take some dramatic license in what's yeah. going on but there's stuff where it's like yep that we've had that problem for yeah that's <laughs> happened for them. oh yeah we got yelled at for that you know and yeah. oh union stuff sure and then i like i think it's i think i'm only on like the seventh episode um and i'm waiting for like the next one to come so i ended up just like watching the godfather again <laughs> just kind of refresh it's a cool and film oh so, yeah <laughs> it's, it's so, just so funny it's so good and the people in um in the offer are really good especially when they have to like think like there's somebody playing marlon brando it's like damn like
0: yeah you know, like, all- marlon brando playing a famous iconic role. <laughs> like so it's it's double double duty yeah well thank you so much for letting me interview you today
1: oh no thank you very much i'm i'm glad to be here and i uh, really appreciate it
0: so that's my interview with Michael. I want to thank Michael for joining me today, and remind you that you can get 10% off at filmmakeru.com using the passcode "The Cutting Room," all one word, "The Cutting Room." Now, this podcast wouldn't be possible without the amazing team behind it: our producer Jason Banky and our sound editor and mixer Evan Winch. I'm Gordon Burkell. Thanks for listening.